Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Julian Story Aviation Podcast. Hello and welcome finally to episode one of the Julian Story Aviation Podcast. In this edition we'll be talking about the coronavirus pandemic and Biggin Hill Airport, about the brilliant Atoll Aurora amphibious lightsport aircraft and finally about the ongoing issues with the Boeing 737 MAX. So the coronavirus pandemic has had a more profound effect on aviation than anything else I can remember in my 23 years in the industry. All four of the aircraft that we look after are grounded and one of them stuck in South Africa. The entire EasyJet fleet is grounded along with most of the British Airways fleet and there's no sign of things going back to normal anytime soon. But London Biggin Hill Airport is still open, so there must be somebody still managing to fly. Joining me now is Andy Patsalidis from Biggin Hill Airport. Andy, hi. Hi, good morning. Hi, who's flying? Uh, well, I'm, I'm quite surprised at who's flying in, in terms of um, how essential everything is in terms of our movement. So who's flying at the moment in terms of people? Um, you know, we are a very discreet airport, so I'm not going to tell you who the customers are. Of course. But the few passengers that are coming through are, frankly, very essential. I know, without going into too much detail, we've had flights where people have been meeting other people in, in Europe, for example, to talk about manufacturing uh, ventilator machines and that sort of thing. Um we're carrying a number of flights which are bringing in essential equipment, uh, a lot of medical supplies, etc. Uh, yesterday, for example, we had an Army Wildcat doing a trial COVID-19 flight, just checking us out because we're obviously we're right next door to the Nightingale Hospital at the Excel Centre. And as you may be aware, London City is closed at the moment. Yes, it is. So who's travelling? The key word is it's people who need to travel because their travel is essential. You know, the airport is fully operational. We've maintained the operating hours, uh, 05.30 Zulu to 22.30 Zulu. And that's purely to make sure that as part of the national infrastructure, we're doing our bit, uh, you know, for the country and for London in particular. Very good. Um, so, I mean, obviously, pri- private general aviation recreational flying, that's all been, uh, that's all banned. Um, is there any, uh, is there any BizJet stuff still happening? Or is it, is it purely the stuff related to the, to the coronavirus pandemic? Um, there is BizJet flights happening, but I must stress, they, for us to accept them, they have to prove that they are of an essential nature. You know, you can't have people going on holiday or whatever that. That is banned now. Yeah, absolutely. So all traffic uh, is either flight planned uh, or PPR'd and checked by our air traffic control team. 
and they must prove it's essential. So at the moment, the days of recreational flying, I'm afraid, that's not happening. Um, the, the, the only other exception is that um, there are, as with commercial airlines, we, uh, pilots need to keep current and uh, aeroplanes need to keep current, etc. So we do have an initiative called Return to the Skies, okay. which enables um, people, owners, to uh, keep their crews current and their aircraft current. And uh, we can talk about that perhaps in a moment about what the actual deal is, because uh, just this week alone, I've had four of those return to the sky flight. Yeah, I mean, I've not flown for nearly a month. Um, it's important that uh, my client's aircraft, we've got an aircraft based at Biggin Hill. It's important that my client's aircraft flies. It's important that I fly. I don't want to forget how to do it. So how does that scheme work? So the Return to the Skies initiative, it, it's, it's, you know, our view is it's not about now. It's, uh, you know, we feel that um, we have a, a, an obligation to do all we can uh, to help business aviation destroy as quickly as possible. And the initiative we, we've come up with, is, and it's not just for you as a base uh, uh, aeroplane, but also for anybody else who wants to bring the aircraft to Biggin. Okay. Uh, it's really, we've just slashed the cost right down. You just pay for one landing, one fee, and in the same day you can do another six takeoffs and landings. And, and that's proven to be very successful. So I've had a, a G650 this week, uh, a Global Express, uh, two citations. People are taking advantage really of that. Yeah. And I think people are really appreciating that initiative. Absolutely right. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really important. And I saw somebody, I think it was uh, Rob Walt was advertising, um, you're, you're mo- looking to move, trying to try and encourage freight into the airport, which presumably is going to help keep, keep everything ticking over while, 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 whilst the world's as it is. Uh, what are we doing with that? So there's two categories there. Uh, what we've been seeing with the freight flights that have been coming in is that they're obviously smaller aircraft. We're taking up to ATR 42, ATR 72. Okay. You know, we're not a major cargo hub like, say, East Midlands, but we do have the forklifts, etc. So people have been taking advantage of that. Um, we had a 146 freighter test flight as well recently. And they kind of fall into two categories. We've got people uh, basically bringing in um, essential medical supplies or PPE-type equipment. Okay. Um, not a lot of it. But the key message is we're there for them. Yep. Um, you know, we're not, we, we weren't traditionally seen as a freight airport, but one or two um, customers have woke up to the fact that, blindly, they're actually in London, Big and Ill. This does make a lot of sense. Absolutely right. And uh, people are taking advantage of that. Yeah, and there's a, I mean, I think, London is a coronavirus hotspot, isn't it? You've got all the hospitals in London. You've got the uh, Nightingale Hospital uh, at the Excel Centre. So, yeah, you're, I guess you are probably the only airport that, that is ri- literally right in London that can, that, can, that can manage ad hoc freight at the moment. Yeah, and, and just on, that, on, the, on the Medivac side, obviously we've had a number of medical and repatriation flights into Biggin recently. One critical thing about that is, um, is at the moment London City is closed. Yeah. We're about, it depends, we're about 20 to 30 minutes from the Nightingale hospital at London City, yeah. and it was very interesting yesterday that we had the army in with a wildcat up from Yeoverton, doing a bit of an evaluation to see, uh, you know, what the fueling situation, the fire category, all those sort of operational yeah. things. And all of, and those, all, all of those things are being maintained at a normal level, are they? Despite, yeah, yeah, despite yeah absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fully, we're fully operational, and it was great because after they did that evaluation, we got a, a, a great email from a two group of Bryce Norton that are controlling these movements, informing everybody in the, uh, in the, on the military side that Biggin is there for them, that it is fully operational, fuel is available, fire category six. So that trial was very, very successful. So if, if they do need to do that, you know, we can take 
we can take uh, 146s, we can take the helicopters, and uh, the, the, our friends in the military now know that. So that's, I'm really quite pleased about that. That's brilliant. So how, how long do you think it's going to last? There's a big question. Nobody knows. Uh, the lockdown's been extended for no. three more weeks. I mean, there's no end in sight, yeah. is there? No, I don't know when it's going to last. I mean, we, as a, as a management team, as a leadership team, we uh, get together every morning at 10 o'clock, uh, on the Zoom or one or two of them. We're all discovering Zoom turns. now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, we're all discovering Zoom, uh, we, and, I, and that includes. So we're work, you know, we're not taking any rest. We're working uh, every day of the week, and we're we're just reviewing it every day. It's it's interesting for me. What's particularly interesting is um, our potential customers and those those uh, are really appreciating it because the numbers, although the traffic is significantly reduced. Yeah. Say, for example, there are about 25 business jet movements a day. Yeah. Uh, probably about 70% of those are coming to Biggin. Very few are going to other locations. Is that um, right? You know, yeah. Some, other, yeah, and, uh, some airports already uh, have got very restrictive hours. Um, Stans is an example of that, for example, where they'll take a business jet before 10 or after 4, but not yeah. in between. Yeah. So uh, very quickly, our, our, the business aviation community is quite the business. We haven't deviated from our hours one jot. Yeah, most of the other airports have cut back into with level of cover or, or operating hours, but you're absolutely as normal. Yeah, absolutely as normal. Um, and, you know, we're, we are taking every precaution. So every evening we're fumigating uh, every aspect of the of oh, the is that right? Okay. That are, yep. Yeah, I mean, we're blessed because we have, I mean, among our many resident companies, and we have 70 resident companies uh we're blessed because we have jet wash based at biggin so right. uh, if someone needs their aircraft fumigated or whatever they're on site and they do a fantastic job for us once uh, 11 30 happens in absolutely deep cleaning everything every that, evening uh, and those sort of things i think are a benefit and people uh, are appreciating that that's, that's interesting actually are, are operators tending to, to 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 clean their aircraft more because of the coronavirus pandemic is is, is that a, is that a normal thing now I think it is. Um, I actually, yes, I do think it is. Um, uh, so uh, I don't know what the numbers are before, but virtually every airplane I see or hear of coming into Big and they're taking advantage of that opportunity. Everybody's being very, very sensible about this, taking every precaution po- possible. So yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm just very, very pleased that you know we have that capability on the airport. Well, I'm glad you're still managing to operate to some extent, uh, and I hope things get back to normal, well, for all of us, before too yes. much longer. Uh, maybe we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks if this is still carrying on. Well, uh, you know what? I hope we're not going to speak in a couple of weeks because it's carrying on. Speak to us when the good times are back. There's lots of wonderful things happening at Big and Still. You know, we're, we're, we're about to dig the first spade in our new four-star hotel. We're getting on with that project. Investment is still happening. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the hotel, because that's been on the cards for a long, long time. As, well, for as long as I can remember, there's been uh, going to be a hotel at Big, and that's now happening, is it? It is now happening. And, in fact, you know, you know obviously, in, we're being very cautious about what we're investing in. But to us, that is essential. Uh, the, the, the background to that is that we, we're blessed at Biggin in that we have 11 maintenance organizations, yep. more than anywhere else in Europe. Yep. Now, one of those is a very big player, which is Bombardier, yep. for example. I mean, they've, and, they've, uh, they've, they've got the old Ryzen jet facility, but about, which is impressive of itself, but they've outgrown that, haven't they? Well, yes. I mean, we've, uh, in fact, we were laying concrete down just this week for the new uh, facility, which is large enough to take 14 
global 7,500s. I mean, it's wow. a massive subsidy. But, but we already have a, a number of people who've been really keen for us to put a hotel facility in. And yeah. um, we just think it's a sensible thing to do. So 56 rooms. I need to be very straight with you. It's still going to take about possibly 18 months before it's fully running. Yeah. But we're, we're going to get on with it. And I think the key thing for us is we're blessed because we have a superb relationship with our local authority. Yeah. They're very, very supportive. I mean, the, the, the magic of Biggin for me always was in my time there was, uh, and I've been on in this game a little while, I'm in my 60s, so I've been at this a while, yeah. is they actually allowed us with uh, marvellous support, allowed us to extend our operating hours a couple of years ago, and that transformed the, the, the airport business and transformed uh, it, 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 uh, it people wishing to yeah. invest. It, it absolutely has. I mean, before, when you when you used to open, I was at eight local or something. And if, you, if I was flying people to, I don't know, say Paris, by the time we left, it was already nine o'clock in Paris. It was too late. But now, now you can leave at a sensible time and get to Europe before before everybody starts work. That's right. So what, I, so really, so what I'm really, and apologies for all this positive spin here, but what I'm really saying is, I really hope we don't have another call about the crisis. And yeah. next time you talk to me, yeah. you know, we are back to normal. And I can tell you about all the wonderful investments we're making and, you know, why Biggin is the place. Uh, it really is the ideal gateway. Look, the bottom line, at the end of the day, what we're really about is uh, making sure that we're there to support, you know, un- the uninterrupted flow of, you know, international um, business people coming in to invest in our capital. Yeah. That's what business aviation is about. It's Absolutely bringing people right. together make investments great, jobs, etc. So I hope next time we get a chance to talk about that. Well, hopefully, Jeanine, I'm hopefully, very grateful. Thank no, you for no, that on your podcast. No problem. Hopefully next time we can do it face-to-face and we'll have some better, better sound quality. Thank you. Andy, All the very best. Thank you so thank much, you. Andy. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com ACAST. That's burrow.com ACAST. 
burrow.com slash ACAST. Bye-bye. So as many of you know, we're the uh, UK, um, Republic of Ireland and Isle of Man distributor for a brilliant light sport aircraft amphibian called the Atoll Aurora. Uh, joining us now is Ari Tolonen from Finland, uh, who is the test pilot. Ari, hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm very good. So first of all, let's talk a little bit about what the aircraft is. Uh, I've seen one. It's brilliant. I'm very excited to be involved with it. Um, what can you tell us about the aircraft? Well, it's, um, it's a two-seater amphibian. Uh, it's, um, it has quite unique features when we're talking about the amphibian world. I mean, they cannot be open from the front, so you can actually step off when you beach it or put it in a pier. The seats are not side by side. The pilot sits a little bit in the front, so the shoulder, the so- shoulder space is more, uh, actually the cockpit space is large. In my opinion, the canopy will be a little bit bubbled, so there's enough space for the pilot and the passenger. Uh, the, as in all modern aircraft nowadays, uh, the primary data is presented on screens, so it's a 10-inch screen in front of the pilot. Nice, and that's, di- that, that's, that, that's Dynon, isn't it? Yeah, that's Dynon, and uh, the engine instruments are on separate one. That's a seven-inch screen, and the cool thing is actually that the the screens lift off with the canopy, so you cannot stumble on them when you're getting out of the plane. It's really cool. It's it's powered powered by Rodax 912 uh, Sport, yeah, which means about 100 horsepower. It okay. has the best torque in in that engine family. Okay, and I mean Rodax has been producing those. Different variants of rings, of course, but tens of thousands, and it's a reliable, reliable engine. It's quite light, also. It's it sits on the top of a pylon. It's a pusher. Okay, so a little bit like a late buccaneer. It's a little bit like that. So the basic idea is the same, but the engine is actually tilted downwards six degrees okay. and to the left seven degrees. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind on a pusher on top of a pole, is that if you actually throttle down what the nose does. And the situation of the engine actually helps and the current flow from, from the propeller that it acts exactly like, let's say, Cessna 172 or 150. When you push on power, yeah. the nose will rise. Yeah. And if you take off the power, the nose will go down. Okay. So that's that's a safety feature. Uh, okay, okay, because the the uh, the, the buccaneer, you have to put ballast in the nose. If you have an engine failure, and you don't have the ballast, it will pitch up potentially fatally. So that's been designed out of the Atoll Aurora. Yeah, brilliant. And otherwise, the the plane is uh, wood composite. Yep. Structure very rigid and it doesn't absorb any water. Yeah. Which is good. So it's it's light, and seventy five percent of the weight. Of the aircraft is actually wood. That's so, pretty be, remarkable. So, being wood and composite, that should eliminate a lot of the corrosion issues that you would have uh, with uh, a more conventionally constructed amphibious aircraft. Yes, I mean we are seeking for um, the, the planes are probably used in places where it's humid. Uh, there's salt water present, so to minimize the effects to the aircraft has been taken in consideration when when designing it. Okay. Of course, there are stainless steel parts. There are, there are Kevlar. Yeah. Besides the wood composite structure, but that, of course, it, it shows in the later date okay. how it actually works in the seawater. But uh, we believe it will be well, less time-consuming 
to take care of it. Absolutely right. Absolutely Let's right. That, that way, yeah. Because yeah, most, most, most float planes, once you've operated them on salt water, uh, you're going to spend a couple of hours hosing everything down, try and get all the salt water out of everything before you have a corrosion disaster. Yeah. But then again, you need to do, the, do that anyway, to hold it down with fresh water every now and then. Yeah. Uh, the fuel tanks are on the wings. Okay. It's um, rubber foam tanks. Yeah. 80 liters. Yeah. All together, usable fuel. That means roughly four and a half hours. Okay. Four and a half hours of, of fun. Yeah. Yep. If you, and if you take in consideration, you always need to have, let's say, 30 minute reserve. That yep. means four hours flying time. Okay. Very good. On, on cruise speed, which is uh, roughly 87 to 90 knots. Okay. Uh, it has a retractable gear, of course, yep. but also retractable f- wing flows. Okay. That, that'll give us up a couple of knots more on cruise speed. Uh, the, the wing flows actually are electric, electrically operated. Okay. Uh, you can put it on auto, which means that below a certain speed, they, they come out. It's a nice feature. Or you can operate those manually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, also the wing floats act as bumpers. Okay. So if you come to a pier, it uh, sits in front of the leading edge. And okay. you take the first blow if, yep. if you're going on the beach or short. Right, okay. What happens is you damage the wing float rather than the actual wing itself. Yeah, yeah. Very good. It gives, and also it gives in because it's, it's movable. Okay. So it's, it's, it's like a bumper. Okay, amazing. At the same time. Very good. So, in, ter- um, in, ter- in terms of progress, how w- how are we doing with the certification? Uh, has that been delayed by the coronavirus? It has been delayed. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, there are some parts that we cannot acquire from subcontractors because they have shut their businesses down. Understand. But uh, the latest schedule that actually we put it out uh, last week, this week, beginning of this week, yeah, is that we get the uh, first serial production aircraft airborne in uh, mid June. Okay. Latest uh, end of June. Okay. That's the, that's the plan right now. Very good. How long do you think the certification process will take? The first uh, flight program. Uh, it's the first twenty six flights are, are crucial ones because that then we have to actually show all the figures. Well, actually test all the figures are right. Yeah. And after that, it's hundred hours of endurance tests. Okay. So we are hoping to have it done by the end of this year at okay. least okay uh so pipe certification expected somewhere in october november okay. Okay. so roughly five months after we have started the test flights no problem very good so uh for any of our listeners who uh, were interested in buying one of these um if they put their deposit down when could they expect to get their airplane well numbers two and three the, the first aircraft will stay at the factory yep that, that's what's been decided. Uh, the number two goes to Finland. Yep. So aircraft number three is the next available slot. Okay. And I would, I would roughly say that one year time frame, I mean, we're talking about February, March next year for the three. Brilliant. At, at this time, at this okay. time, yeah. yeah. It, has fold, it has foldable wings, so it's easy to store, and we have a mobile hangar available. Okay, so for anybody who wants more information on the aircraft, um, Atoll have a website. It's atollavion.com, A-T-O-L-A-V-I-O-N.com. And if anybody would like to be kept up to date with the certification process, uh, like any further information or, or just uh, enable me to keep in touch with them, um, feel free to drop me an email, atoll at juliansstory.co.uk. Ari, thank you so much. Thank you, Julian.
So, Boeing's problems continue with the world's entire fleet of their 737 MAX aircraft remaining grounded following two fatal crashes <coughs> where the aircraft appear to have flown themselves into the earth or the Java Sea in the case of the Lion Air accident. To understand a little bit more about how this could have happened, I'm joined by Captain Sandy Whittaker, who flies the 800NG variants of the Boeing 737, and who has some understanding of how the MCAS stall prevention system, the suspected cause of these two accidents on the MAX, works. Sandy, hi. What is the MCAS hi, system, and why, 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 why does the MAX have it? Right, okay. Well, that's, there's two good questions there. Obviously, the first one, the uh, what is it, we'll probably get back to that in a second. Probably what is initially more important to set the background is, is, is why is it fitted, as you've just said. So, ultimately, the 800 uh, is a derivation of the classic uh, 737, and, of course, the Max is the latest version of the, the NG. Uh, now, part of its design uh, and requirements was that it still fitted the same bill in terms of type ratings. So that the crew so got that the airline massive... had could just put a part, sort of pilot straight in without having to send them on a new course. Exactly. And that's what happened from the NG to the 7.3 Classic and then from the Max. So you only have to do a few days conversion and all of a sudden you're on it. But the, the with the Max is is that it is a new aircraft by design. Okay. Uh, and part of that new design was the engines okay. uh, that they put on them, still made by CFM, yeah. uh, which is a conglomerate of Snecmer and General Electric. Um, and the main thing here was, was that they actually, they're a bigger unit. You had these two big customers, Airbus and Boeing, for this engine. Now, if you put an Airbus A320 side by side with a, an NG, you will notice one very big difference, and that's the height. So when you've got this bigger engine, these new leap engines, as they call them, you can just slot it straight under an Airbus wing, no problem at all. Uh, um, but with the Boeing being lower to the ground, they don't quite have the ground clearance. Now, they have raised the gear a little bit. And the, but and, and the, and the still... 737 originally was designed to be low, I think, so that uh, it could go to airports so they didn't basically have a jetway or, or something. So it was deliberately lower, so it was easier for the passengers to get on and off. Is that about right? That is exactly about yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. So we're now in the realms where we've got this this, this bigger engine now um, with nowhere to put it. Okay. So the fix was, uh, after lots of deliberation, was to basically move it further forward and up a bit okay. on the wing of the 737. Okay. Uh, which sounds initially absolutely fantastic. Sounds but, fine. Uh, anybody who flies uh, a jet with an underslung engine uh, will realise that there's obviously significant pitch power couple. Uh, you know, basically you, you ah, power okay. up and the engine wants to twist upwards in, in okay. a nutshell. So, so the stuff um, I fly, when I put the power on with the high engines of BizJet, it'll point the nose down. So in a store recovery scenario, if I put the power on, it's already helping me. So what you're saying is that with an underslung engine, if you put the power on, it's going to try and pitch you up. So if you're approaching the stall, exactly. that's a bad situation anyway. It is. So this is where the NGAS came in, of course. Okay. So they've now got this bigger, more powerful engine with a bigger, more powerful pitch coupling, which, makes which is more worse. significant because yep. they've moved the engine forward. So it, 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 it's increased even more. Now, what they try to do is get it to behave like its predecessor, the 800. So you can get a pilot who's flown the 800 for the last year or so, and then you just stick him straight into the max after a two- or three-day conversion, and it flies exactly the same. Gotcha. Um, so this is why they had to create this uh, NCAS system, which basically uh, automatically adjusts the rear horizontal tail, or the stabilizer, as it's called, um, okay. in, in, on that particular aircraft. 
So what will happen is, is as the aircraft would pitch, and this is usually in sort of high power, low speed scenarios. So basically low to the ground with flaps up yep. on takeoff. Um, what it will do is it will work behind the scenes. So once it gets above a certain parameter, a certain pitch in yep. the, the up direction, it will adjust the rear stabilizer to basically drop the nose a bit. So if it senses, now, if, if it senses you're approaching the stall, it will start to try yeah. help you effectively by pointing it, the Exactly down. right. Yeah. And that's at the extreme end. But what this will do is it will sort of even not necessarily near the stall, even before you get to that. The idea being that as you increase power on takeoff with the flaps out, low speed, high power, yeah. it will cater for that pitch power couple. But under the scenes, you won't actually see anything going on in the flight deck. Right. Now, then we get to uh, Ethiopian uh, Airlines and uh, Lion Air yep. uh, scenario, um, which if you if you look at the data, very, very similar uh, as to what happened and when it happened. Yeah, um, shortly after takeoff. So, oh, yeah, exactly. A few minutes after takeoff, uh, the crews came into some trouble. Uh, now, the full investigations haven't been put out there, but the preliminary stuff seems to think that the information that uh, is provided to the MCAS, one of the main ones is the, the pitch, which comes from the, the alpha vein, the, basically the angle of the attack. The angle of attack sensor, yeah. Sensor, which came off one sensor alone. Now, most Boeing sensors are usually dual, so that you have redundancy. Right. But on these, uh, it came off the captain's alpha vein only. Okay. So my understanding from the information I've read is that they failed. Yep. Um, and therefore, it was giving erroneous information. Now, if you look on the internet, basically, the information being provided to the MCAS was as if the aircraft was now almost 60 degrees nose up, which, of course, it wasn't. No. It had just failed. Yeah. Um, and so the MCAS was, was adjusting the stabilizer as if the aircraft was 60 degrees nose up. So it was trying to significantly put the nose down. Right, which if the aircraft really was stalling would have been very helpful, but if it wasn't, it, it was a pretty bad, it, was, it, it wasn't what the crew needed at all. No, exactly. So if uh, if you look at what actually happened, there ended up in this, this basically fight between crew uh, and uh, MCAS system. Now, there is uh, some, I mean, on the aircraft we have sort of uh, memory items for certain non-null events. Yep. Um, now, in both events, Lion Air and Ethiopian, the crews would appear to have done the correct thing basically the rear stabilizer is operated by one of three systems one the autopilot yep two an electric trim yep. with some switches on the control column yep. and three belt and braces uh on the boeing unlike the airbus there still is a big metal cable which runs the length of the uh the aircraft uh, and you can manually turn it with a with a with a trim wheel right okay uh, yeah um now Unfortunately, in this occasion, well, they did the right thing. They, they cut it out. Yep. But apparently, and this is where the, you've got the argy-bargy between Boeing blaming the pilots of the airline, the airlines blaming the MCAS system, was actually the MCAS was still operating, although they had sort of switched these, these stab trim cutout switches, which oh, ultimately wow. should have cut the whole system out. Okay. So every, but, every every aircraft I've flown, and I'm thinking back to when I did my uh, training on the on the Lear originally. Um, the in the mm -hmm. simulator they used to talk about the RB, the big red button on the yoke. So you hit big red button and basically disconnects all of the autopilot. Is there that on the Boeing? And could the crew have hit the red button and manually flown the aircraft, or was the MCAS still trying to drive them into the ground even with even with that, or is it a different system? 
Well, I think the, under, the understanding from the pilot's point of view was that, and, and it's the same on the 800, if we have any kind of issues with the stabilizer, we do have that big red button, what we call the stab tre- uh, cutout. Yep. So in theory, if I, if I cut that out, that there is no input from the electric switches, there is no input from the autopilot, all I can do then is manually adjust the stabilizer with with a, with with the, a trim with wheel the trim and the cable, yeah. uh, and there should be no such input. Now, from the information that I've read, there was somehow still some input from the MCAS, hence why there's this battle where you see this aircraft flying and it's it's basically pitching up, it's pitching down, it's pitching up, it's pitching down, and the crew are trying to to, to fight this. Now, obviously, in a modern jet with the speeds at which they're flying. The minute you point uh, get down more than sort of five degrees, ten degrees, no down, it will just accelerate yeah. exactly. And then you're in the realms of aerodynamic loading on the stabilizer. So even if they had switched everything off, by the time they were doing sort of I don't know three, four hundred plus miles an hour, there was that much airload on the stab trim, a little trim wheel that you're trying to pull. You're fighting against an almighty load there. Yeah, you, you, exactly. And yeah. I think even both of them physically trying to turn it. I mean, this is just in my humble opinion. But sure. yeah, yeah. that would seem to be, uh, you know, the, 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 they ended up in a situation that they just couldn't uh, get themselves out of. Yeah. So the differences training that these guys would have had to do before they got onto the, uh, onto the MAX, would they have been made aware of this MCAS system? Would they have understood how it worked, what it did? Or, or, or is, it, is it sort of lurking in there well, and no one really knew? Well, my, again, I, I can't say with true certainty because, of course, not all the facts have come out yet For with sure. regards to this. Um, uh, I, my understanding is that the uh, when the crews first came onto this, the MCAS system wasn't something that was brought to their attention. It right. was literally something that just worked underneath, you know? And made, just, made the new fly like the old one, yeah. Correct, yeah. absolutely correct, yeah. And this is something that Boeing have done in the past as well, and uh, unfortunately... Uh, so it, it's, if you ever want to read about rudder system, uh, rudder system enhancement programs, that was something else where Boeing just sort of put something out there but didn't necessarily put all the information out to all the crews, uh, whether they thought they were helping them or not or otherwise. And I think this is what's, hap- this is what's happened here. They've just tried to treat this brand-new shiny aircraft like the old one, and perhaps they shouldn't have done. I mean, there's now the argument that actually perhaps the MAX should have been a new type. Yes, right. that would have in- created an awful lot of expense to these big airlines that have got big orders. You know, your Air Southwest, it's, they it's, were a major... Yeah, Southwest, uh, Ryanair, uh, the Max is on order. Ryanair, but of course that would cause a lot of uh, cost increase to the uh, the companies having to retype rate. All of their entire um, crew who are going to fly all the of Max. Their t- yeah. Correct, yeah. So it's it, it is where we are right now, and I think as much as the delay in sorting out the problem with the MCAS, there's a lot of regulation, uh, a lot of regulatory stuff going through. You know, did the FA did they just turn a blind eye and let Boeing do what they want or what? I don't know. It, 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 it sounds amazing. it sounds as if a lot of the regulatory decisions were outsourced to, to Boeing, which does sound a little bit like sort of uh, trusting trusting the poacher, trusting the poacher to be the gamekeeper. <laughs> yeah, I suppose if you look at it like that, yeah, it is. Uh, you know, but. Uh, and, and whether we'll ever get to the bottom of it, I don't know. I mean, obviously, Boeing are working very hard to, to make this, this, this system work. Yeah. Uh, obviously, everybody knows about it now. But again, you know, you going back, hopefully there is that big red button so that eventually you can actually just 
switch the thing off. Well, I do know about the complete granular control of the aeroplane. Yeah. Yeah, is well the the sort of what they're trying to do now is actually the input from the NCAS system is is uh, you know is significantly less now. Uh, is, is that right? Operation. Yeah. yeah and presumably they, they I think that's what. And presumably they need to have this thing connected to both angle of attack vanes, don't they? I mean that would that would also resolve the issue if if the MCAS is if the if the MCAS was only going to kick in from an input from both of the angle of attack vanes, presumably that would also resolve the issue. If one of them goes bad, it's not going to take you to the ground uh, uncommanded. Is is it, that that also I guess would be the solution, would it? Well, basically, I think redundancy is the name of the game, as well as yep. an improvement in the software. Um, we on the the standard NG there is uh, redundancy for the angle of attack between the left side of the aircraft, if you will, and the right side. Okay. Uh, at, on your sort of uh, PFD in front of you, you would have a, a, an angle of AOA disagree, which is basically telling you that the left system is in disagreement with the right system. So uh, you know that one has gone bad. Correct. Uh, uh, that's right. And unfortunately, that's what not sorry what wasn't uh, sort of in place with the the MCAS system. It was drawn purely from a single source, which sadly failed, yeah. uh, and that's why we ended up in the situation that they they, uh, they were. So they're, they're in America. There, from what I've read, uh, Boeing are hoping uh, sometime during the fourth quarter, so in the next three months, to have uh, have the aircraft flying over there. Uh, it sounds like it could be quite a while before uh, they're flying everywhere else. Uh, it's it's almost as if some of the uh, aviation authorities around the world that previously just rubber-stamped an FAA approval have lost a little bit of faith in the FAA process. They want to conduct their own tests. It sounds like EASA want to do their own tests before uh, before we see it flying again in Europe. Well, I, 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 there's a lot of pressure right now. There's a lot of pressure on the FAA. There's a lot of pressure on Boeing. I mean, obviously, they're losing billions Absolutely, right now. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there was the, the uh, I mean, to put it in context, the, the MAX was the fastest selling aircraft ever produced by any manufacturer. I read that. Uh, within a very short period of time, there was somewhere in the region of 4,500 orders. Phenomenal. Um, before they they grounded it, or rather the Trump administration grounded it. Yeah. Which, which uh, in the end had to, I mean, the Chinese, everybody had grounded it. Yeah. it, it Trump didn't have a choice, did he? Uh, well, absolutely. I, I think yeah. he did the right thing. Yeah. You know, but they'd already, uh, I think they'd, fulfilled four in the region of about 400 orders obviously yeah. so percent of the, the the original orders but i think a lot of people have lost a lot of faith in it and it's going to yeah. take boeing an awful lot to claw back that faith in the boeing product almost it's, uh, it's not just about the max now it is about yeah, yeah. boeing and uh, and it sounds but you've got people who would never normally ask questions about i mean my cousin was going on his holiday about three weeks before they, you know, uh, before they grounded it. And he actually, you know, out the blue just said, I'm going on a max with a certain company on holiday. Do I need to be worried? Right. What did, what, what did, you, you, know, say, uh, what did you say as his cousin and a 737 captain? Well, at the time, there wasn't a lot of information out about no. there. So no. I, uh, my thing was just basically, I mean, the airline he was with are a very reliable airline. Yeah, yeah. got a fantastic safety record. And I just turned around and said something along the lines of, well, look, you know, if it wasn't safe, they wouldn't allow it to yeah. fly. So, uh, I, you know, I think you'll be absolutely fine. And I suppose in a way I was kind of wrong, actually, you know, but how, how do you say that's just one person? You know, now you've got thousands, millions of people who, who, who are now aware of the 737 MAX. And, and even if they do of it. Yeah. fix it, they will be. Uh, and, and it's going to take a long time before they get that. They sort that problem out, you know, get that resilience back into the product. Very good. We'll keep an eye on that. And uh, fingers crossed for everybody. If, uh, if, if your airline uh, bought some Maxes, would you be happy to fly it? 
Got to ask. Million dollars. Yes, and yes, Max. Off you go. I would need to know that I have that big red button. Absolutely right. <laughs> Which uh, if I if I turn it off, I turn it off. And, no, sort of. And you have control of the airplane, not a gremlin in yeah. the, that's lurking. Yeah. No. Absolutely right. Because do you know what? I've, I've been flying. I mean, I I, I can't argue because I've never flown Airbus before, or I've flown Embraer, or I, I have flown turbo props, but that's a different class yeah. altogether. But the the Boeing as a product, the NG is a is a fantastic machine. Yeah. Um, I've I've taught the technical part of it. I've uh, I've instructed on it, and I've flown it. You know, I, I do get to fly every now and again these days. And it is a fabulous machine at what it's designed to do. It's the engines on it, the CFM uh, 56-C7 uh, engines, are probably the most reliable engine that has ever been invented in terms of flying hours versus significance. Yeah. It, it truly is, and and ultimately, it's still one of those when it all goes pear shaped. Unlike the Airbus, which is true fly-by-wire, we still have big cables connecting us to the flight controls. Yep. So you can disconnect all the automatics uh, and uh, and just fly it like a big, you know, like a big Cessna sort. Of. And so no, hopefully they will they will regain that 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 level of faith in in the Max eventually. Absolutely, Sandy, that's been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much indeed, Captain Sandy Whitaker. If you've enjoyed listening to this edition of the Julian Story Aviation podcast, then don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. You can find us on iTunes, Amazon Alexa, just ask Alexa to play with the Julian Story Aviation podcast, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and all the normal places that you would download your podcast from. If you have any comments about the podcast or have any great ideas for a podcast guest, drop me an email to podcast at julianstory.co.uk. Finally, stay safe in what are unquestionably the strangest of times, and if you're one of the lucky ones who's still managing to fly, fly safe and keep it shiny side up.